Hello and welcome to episode three of the Anarchaeologist podcast. Today I'm talking to Harriet Tatton and Dr. Lorna Richardson about community archaeology and what it means. Stay tuned for archaeology, community archaeology and much, much more. Welcome to the Anarchaeologist podcast. Today, the topic of the day is community archaeology. And I'm trying to annoy everybody by saying archaeology is community archaeology, or it is nothing. Of course, this is based off the um, kind of often un- unattributed quote to several different authors, including Lewis Binford, saying that archaeology is anthropology, or it is nothing. But what happen- what is But what is the modern-day equivalent of that same statement? Today I'm talking to Harriet, who is one of my uh, former classmates and uh, who has uh, who has an interest in community archaeology. Uh, so, Harriet, um, I want to st- uh, start off. What is your opinion on community archaeology? How do you feel? What's important about it? Um, I think it's really important. The most important thing about community archaeology is to acknowledge the fact that it means different things to different people. Um, it's such a broad spectrum, and it's really important for us to, as archaeologists to note that people are going to have different opinions about it, and you can't just put it under one headline. Um, it's it's a very very broad umbrella, if you like, and it encompasses a lot of different things. I think that's the most important thing to me. And currently in the UK, obviously there are a lot of community archaeology projects going on. I mean, do you know about a few? How yeah. do you feel community archaeology is in the UK? Well, I mean, it's, again, it's one of those things where it is a lot of different things all at once. Um, and I think um, people need to recognise that it's, it isn't just something that um, can be used to get funding. Um, you know, it should be about more than that. Um, unfortunately, currently in the UK, um, in particular, it does seem to be a way of getting funding. So archaeologists will say, yeah, this is for the community. Isn't this great? And then it's not actually really like when you actually boil it down, it's not about the community at all. Um, so I just want to pick up about money. Um, like, I personally would say that money should stay silent when archaeology is involved. In community archaeology, funding is always um, a, a priority because without money, uh, a lot of things can't be done. But why do we not try and do community archaeology for free? I think, um, as with everything, value is placed 
in people's minds in a very monetary centric way um if, if you understand what i mean so people when they look at archaeology say for example when someone goes to a museum and they see something shiny and it's obviously a precious metal or something and you've got crowds and crowds of people hoarding around it and you kind of can understand why they're attracted to that because they see it in terms of that value but i think what community archaeology can do is show that value can actually be measured in different ways so it can be about what something means emotionally to people it can be what things mean um in terms of memories um and and that kind of value that's put on it of course though archaeology does cost money to do um you have to pay well you don't have to pay but you know the, there has to be equipment um that's used and that is often incredibly expensive um you know you have you have to pay for the facilities that you have on site if you are a commercial company um there are other costs involved um in in that in contracts and all that kind of thing so the two can't be entirely separate as much as we would like them to be if a commercial if a commercial archaeology unit does a community archaeology project what does that make it (laughs) (laughs) that is a very good question um i think it depends entirely upon the point of view um that you're coming at that from so for a community if you are a member of that community and you're involved in that project it can it can go one of two ways it can feel very much a a part of of the community and you can um, become very involved in it and see the value that that's having for a community or from the other point of view it can go horribly wrong and it can just feel like well this was just an excuse to get more funding or um you know to to have more high profile um a, a more high profile excavation if you can try and try and get it on the news or something you know um and it can be there can be very di- different agendas um behind that and i think it just depends on on what point of view you're coming from as to how that question can be answered of course and i mean the, uh, one of the important things about uh, community archaeology is a sense of almost like a lot of different voices coming Absolutely. together would you personally make a distinction between community archaeology that is um, like kind of uh, initiated by the community and one that has worked with the community? Absolutely. And that's yeah. one of the most important things to remember is that community archaeology isn't just where commercial archaeologists are going in on a project and getting the community involved. There's, like I was saying before, it's a, a massive spectrum and you get that end as sort of one extreme and then you get the other extreme, um, which is often seen as the kind of ideal archaeology where it is completely directed by the community um, and it's it's them that um, are involved and well not even involved but manage it from start to finish so it's the community that decides what they want to do on a project it's the community that's involved in the interpretation of that it's the community that is involved in and and directs how they then want that to be taken forward so where are the artifacts going to be um you know what are we going to do with this how is it going to be published and and all of the the kind of post-excavation things that go along with that Obviously, community archaeology is a bit of a very murky, grey thing. And I'm just wondering, 
you know, when we're obviously in archaeology, you know, we love our theories. We love uh, sitting down and going through a lot of things. Do you think, like, that there could be a theory of community archaeology? Or do you think that it's a title, when we talk about it, it's very much uh, experimental and empirical rather than something that's theoretical because of the need to adapt to different situations? Yeah, I think because of the need to adapt, it can't ever be something that has a step-by-step guideline. Um, the, the point is with community archaeology is that each community is different and each project is, is different um, in so many different ways and that adaptability is really important. Um, experts in community archaeology will absolutely tell you that there is a theory and there is a, a methodology for it um, but I think it is really important that that is adaptable um, to different situations um, across the globe. Do you think that same adaptability should be actually applied to all archaeological projects i mean obviously every site is different I, so yeah sorry i i would say yeah. that um that that is the case in archaeology i i think that there can be a, a sort of standard methodology but it is adaptable um and it has to be because like you say it every project is different um no two projects are the same um even year in year out on the same site things can be entirely different um, and things changed through time and space. So um, it's important that archaeology is adaptable and the methodologies within archaeology are adaptable as well. And of course, archaeology has, uh, I mean, one of the challenges with any community project is the transfer of information both ways. Um, So, I mean, obviously, um, what do you think would be the best way to go about helping the transfer of knowledge you know like how how do we get um how is how do archaeologists convey kind of succinctly archaeological theory and how do you think the community can best kind of get back to archaeologists i think that the big change will come about through social media Um, And I think archaeologists are are starting to exploit that now. I mean, you only have to go onto Twitter and do a search for archaeology and you'll come up with hundreds and hundreds of accounts now, um, ranging from individual archaeologists to uh, Twitter accounts that um, represent entire commercial archaeology um, companies um, through to academics through to people just with an interest, um, through to community projects. There's quite literally everything there. Um, And it's only increasing. You know, these accounts are are getting more and more um, every day. And I think that's that's how it will start to become the norm, if you like, to communicate, particularly with community archaeology projects. Um, That will be the way that people start to communicate through these Facebook groups, Twitter accounts, um, Tumblr accounts, Instagram, for example. Um, There was a fantastic project, I think, in Wales where the community was basically given a challenge to document their archaeological and historical surroundings through a a kind of... um, town-specific Instagram, and that built up a map that was interactive that then people could download an app 
and see, well, this is here and, you know, shall we go visit this place today? And, I, it, you know, I think that'll be the way that things start to go. Do you follow people on Twitter? I do. I fo- follow um, several archaeologists on Twitter and it stemmed from my dissertation. Um, and I, I must have followed about 150 different accounts um, that were archaeology related. And how did you uh, how did you find that? Like, um, what sort of information were you getting? Any everything and anything, um, pretty much anything that you can imagine um, goes on there. So, these were projects from different places around the globe, um, different people in the, the country. I was following several um, community groups that had um, projects going on, and they were sort of tweeting updates. Um, of course, there's a day of archaeology, um, and they have a Twitter account um, that people from across, uh, well all across the world um, contribute to, um, and that was that's an amazing experience. If you if you uh, get involved on that day, it's just an absolute bombardment of archaeological material. Um, you can't pinpoint it down to a specific section of archaeology. It's literally anything and everything we've had quite a lot of um what i would call new media archaeologists those interested in things like podcasting like this show but also on youtube i mean you know do you think that um there is a almost like a separate area growing of new media archaeology that's online and do you think that's going to better adapt to community archaeology absolutely i do um i think that media archaeological media online will continue to grow i don't think we're going to see an end to that um anytime soon um i think it's going to be increasingly something that people start to embrace as a way of communicating with audiences um as a way of gaining interest in a project um particularly with community archaeology where you're trying to get people in um basically just interested in in what's going on locally to them um, and I think you'll obviously continue to get traditionalists that, you know, won't embrace that. But I think more and more as we go forward into the 21st century, that that's, this is going to be the way, um, that archaeologists communicate. So obviously these new media platforms give us a chance to communicate almost instantly <laughs> anywhere around the world, but how do we convey data? Uh, data and interpretation. I mean, yeah. how do we deal with what usually happens is a large volume of, um, uh, like, uh, like a large volume of information that needs to be processed, but we also need to remind people that the way we process it is important to be scrutinized. So yeah. how, how's best to do that to somebody who's never come across that way of working before? Well, I think the great thing now about things like journal articles and um, textbooks is that they can often be accessed online or in an electronic context. So um, Kindle books, for example, a lot of archaeological textbooks can be downloaded to Kindles. Um, You can use Kindle apps on your phone, on a laptop, on a PC. Um, So that's obviously another way. Um, PDFs of um, archaeological journal articles, JSTOR, now you can download everything as a PDF. Um, and I think the great thing about having those sort of traditional textbooks, um, journal articles, etc., 
in an electronic context is that now they can be shared very quickly through um, things like Twitter and like Facebook. So you just provide a link to the people that you have online and suddenly you've got a huge audience at the tip of your fingers um, that can view that sort of traditional method of distributing data. So I'm absolutely not saying that there's no need now for journals to be published or um, for textbooks to be produced or books on um, particular excavations. But I think it's really important that archaeologists embrace the way that that can now be shared um, through online um, facilities. So uh, uh, in connecting with the information that we kind of uh, deal with, you know, it can be sometimes that we arrive on a site and we have a certain set of ideas and we start digging and those ideas change and then we start getting things out of the ground and our ideas change again and we get back to post-excavation and our ideas change again. I mean, how, how do we communicate that effectively, this idea of reinterpretations, but maintain a kind of an, a, a sense of expertise? I mean... Obviously, there are some people who would love to have every old ancient monument built by aliens. But how do we kind of say, well, look, we, we're, we're interested in hearing from everybody, but there are certain kind of things that we find a little ridiculous and we don't think are appropriate. How, how do we make that yeah. distinction? So particularly where you deal with communities um, that don't have experience or prior experience in archaeological excavation, it's really important that we take ideas from the public seriously, particularly if they live locally and have lived locally for a long time. So um, I know that there have been several examples of um, particularly older generations um, going to sites um, that they remember existing in their lifetime um, and being able to help say definitively well this room was here I, I think there was an example from a, a site that was bombed I think it was an excavation in London um, and it was an excavation on a site that had been bombed during the world war and um, someone came to the site um, to, to have a look at what was going on and it turns out that they'd actually lived there and they were able to say yeah, this this was where the living room was, and this was what we used to do here, and you know, and and that kind of expertise, you wouldn't have that as an as a, an archaeologist that was coming from the outside um, of that community. So it's really important that as archaeologists we do listen to people's ideas, but of course, as you said, communities are, are very enthusiastic. Sometimes their ideas will be wrong, and it's important that we don't sort of put people off getting involved because they don't feel as though they're experts. It doesn't matter whether communities are expert in the field of archaeology or not. Um, their opinions and their ideas still matter. But like you said, it's having that expertise to support those ideas, not in, in terms of supporting as in blindly saying, oh, yeah, you must be right, as in sort of um, providing a support for that community and um, saying, well, you know, your idea is great, but actually our experience shows that it's probably more likely to be da-da-da-da-da. Uh, I mean, you, you kind of partially answered my next question. Do you think there's a kind of a sense 
in well modern western society about this cult of experts that you know we have you know we have our own ideas but really you know we go to the experts and they'll dish out solutions to us and do you think that's do you think that's prevalent do you think it's a problem what can we do i think it depends in what context you're talking so particularly we find problems with that sort of cult of expert um that when Western archaeologists are dealing with non-Western sites, so um, obviously places like North America where you have um, perhaps Native American uh, sites where um, Western archaeologists are going in with this preconceived set of ideas and it can be really, really useful to involve local communities in those excavations because they have knowledge that is often not written down um it's often passed on um orally Mm -hmm. um and it's it's completely outside of our experience as western civilizations it can be a problem uh, that sort of cult of experts where people go in and they see themselves as the archaeologist and i know best and that communication with local communities can be absolutely invaluable if you are in that that sort of situation where your culture that you're from isn't linked at all to the culture that exists around uh, in and around the site that you're working on obviously in america and uh, australia there are definite indigenous communities and obviously that branches slightly into indigenous uh, archaeology as well as community archaeology a connection with the past here in the UK is very different, however. I mean, uh, especially to the deep past. How do you think that we can get people interested in not just Victorian buildings, not just World War II buildings, but how can we get people interested in the deep past of Britain? Well, I think um, it's very much linked to sort of national identity. And because as a, an island, we are made up of so many different nationalities um people people see their their heritage in the deep past as as very different you're i mean i've met people that are absolutely convinced that they're a viking heritage i've met people that are absolutely convinced that they are celtic and you know that's fine as well i've had one person tell me that he's pictish (laughs) Uh, so again it, it is purely a, a national identity kind of thing, and we can't tell people how to identify. Um, what we can do is show people how interesting it is, and, you know, particularly if your family has lived in an area for a very long period of time, sort of as far back as, as records go, I think then it, it can be a bit easier to get people more involved in the deep past because they they feel as though there might be a link, even if there's nothing tangible that can say for definite, yes, there is a link between yourselves in in the 21st century and these people that are, you know, Neolithic, um, Mesolithic. It it can just get people interested and it can inspire imagination, um, even if you can't say for certain that these are people that you're very, very distantly related to. It's just the idea of imagination that it could be. I think that's what we should focus on um, and just getting people interested in that. So uh, what reified character of the past are you, do you identify with? (laughs) Are you uh, Neolithic, Mesolithic? Are you Pictish? 
Or uh, where, where would you identify from? Oh gosh, um, I you know. <laughs> you didn't expect that. I'm from the Midlands. I'm probably just a, a mutt. So. Oh, <laughs> uh, d- uh, don't worry. I, I I'm I'm from two continents. So um, I, I think I'm I'm even more genetically spread. I can't say what I am. Um, <laughs> But I, I think I think it's an important thing you've touched on, especially with uh, regards to nationalism, which is a very poignant subject at the moment with the impending uh, Scottish referendum. Uh, I mean, obviously, obviously, community archaeology uh, may change after that point. Um, but I think I th- do you think that um, archaeology used for either side of a political date uh, debate? is like is that a good thing or a bad thing or is it kind of uh, inherent to the political nature of archaeology i firmly believe that archaeology uh, i firmly believe that archaeology should remain politically neutral i think it's very very dangerous when um one side of a debate or another starts using archaeology as a um a reason to invoke national um mm-hmm. national identity um if people choose to identify with a particular um archaeological site heritage then that's entirely up to them but i think when it starts becoming used by government or um in politics that's when it becomes when it starts to become a little bit dangerous and we've seen it in places like eastern europe archaeology has been used to sort of make people um i mean it can be used to exclude certain races um and it can be used to sort of give some races or um nationalities more of a reason to exist in a place and i think what we need to remember is that humans have no right more than another to live wherever they choose it it's not down to heritage necessarily um it's about where you feel most comfortable and where you identify so I definitely think that archaeology should be politically neutral. I'd say that's uh, quite controversial. And if Shanks and Tilly were listening, they would uh, probably get quite angry. <laughs> because obviously, wow. uh, yeah, no, I, I, I'll, I'll leave, I'll leave that uh, for now. Uh, I just want to finally round up on community archaeology. Well, it's interesting for me that you were saying about how heritage is important to a lot of people and a lot of people kind of say oh you know like i'm definitely from this part therefore i am this isn't community archaeology about archaeology in the present community and therefore kind of uh much more it's almost like anti-heritage it's about getting people together in the here and now i think people will always be particularly interested in things that they view as their heritage and that they take ownership over um, I think it would be a very sad day where people felt that they could only be involved in the archaeology of heritage that they felt that they had ownership of. Um, I think the best community archaeology projects are the ones that attempt to get communities to take ownership of something. It doesn't matter whether um, 
you've lived there for a month or whether you've lived in a place for 30 years, um, the best community archaeology projects, in my opinion, are the ones that disregard all of that and say, well, this is where you are now. You know, this is what's available to you and your community. How are you going to utilize it? What are we going to do with this? Have you ever been on a community archaeology project? I have, yeah. Can you tell me a little bit about it? <laughs> um, so I um, am from the Midlands and uh, about two years ago, maybe a little bit more now, two and a half years ago, um, there was a project at St Mary's Church in Kidderminster and they had just basically an unidentified old building um, well, it wasn't even a building. It was foundations of a building in uh, the churchyard. And no one in living memory, and believe me, there were some old people there, had any memory of what this particular building was. So we knew that it went back um, fairly far. Um, they were hoping that it was more than 100 years. Um, and I was involved for a few days um, on that project, there was so much interest that they had to rota the number of people that could be involved in any one day because the community just turned out in droves. Um, but it was brilliant. They did uh, talks with the community. Um, they showcased um, prior to any excavation things that had been found in the local area already. They got historians in and the council's archaeologist to sort of give their opinion and give a talk prior to the excavation. And it, it was just very well organised. And in fact, some people that replied to the survey that I did for my dissertation had actually also been involved in that project. So that was really good to see that they were still sort of actively interested in community archaeology enough to respond to my survey. Thank you very, very much. Uh, that was Harriet uh, talking to me about community archaeology. archaeology or it is nothing and uh, I just want to I, I kind of wanted to get under people's skin with that mm -hmm. uh, like um, I, I don't know how would you respond to something like that well I think um, um, my brain has 
emptied itself, as it usually does at this point in the day, but somebody did say um, that oology is public archaeology is dead, and I can't remember who it was, which is a famous quote by somebody, and it's actually written down on a piece of paper in an article somewhere, but all archaeology is public archaeology. We are, our practices, our methodologies, everything comes from the point at which our work is important to humanity. So to, to humankind, to, to why we're here, what we're doing here, how we got here, the mistakes we made, how we've fed ourselves, how we've reproduced ourselves. So all archaeology is relevant to every single person that walks on this earth. That is Deconstructing what we understand by communities is a whole different ballgame. Um, the, the term community I find very contentious. I think it's used and bantered around, mm -hmm. um, and I use that term unwisely probably, but the, the term community archaeology is now a thing. It's, it's a thing. It's a thingy thing. Um, you know, it, it's the title of, um, you can do master's degrees in community archaeology. It's a, a job advert title. It's a it's something you study. It's a, it's a journal. It's, you know, it's become a thing without a huge amount of critique about what do we understand term community? What do we understand by the term participation? What do we understand by you know, um, outreach, what are we trying to do? So I think there is a lot of underlying concepts behind the term community archaeology that, that really need unpacking um, before we can really think about, you know, is that all archaeology community archaeology or is it irrelevant? So do you think that uh, community archaeology is at the moment is it heading in the way you'd like to see it head or is there are there currently issues that you know, are kind of blown out of proportion? I mean, are the issues that are with current community archaeology, in your opinion, kind of, are they rel like, are they kind of to be expected or do you think people are kind of, you know, messing around with it? Well, I think that we have to step back from that and, well, is there, a, is there such a thing as community archaeology? It's not practiced in the same way across the UK. It's not, it doesn't take place in the same context across the UK. It, there are there are different contextual community archaeologies going on. There are different aims and objectives for organisations that are running community archaeology projects. They're happening in the universities, they're happening with HLF projects, they're happening. Do you think you can say that there's just one community archaeology? It happens, it's, it's very nuanced. Yeah. And I think it's done very well in some places and it's done very poorly in others. I think it's done very well in places where people actually have very much considered their community the impact they want to have, the strategies they want to have to, to actually think about the term what engagement means um, and unpack what engagement means to the people they want to engage. So rather than thinking, what do we as archaeologists want to present community that we work in? And I'm making bunny rabbit gestures every time I say this word community. But, you know, it, it's happening in different areas, in different ways, with different um, outcomes. Um, yeah. And, you know, I think it's scale. I think there are good and bad practices. And I, I think a lot of it comes from from having an understanding of where your communities are, mm -hmm. how they want to understand what you're doing as archaeologists, mm -hmm. and, you know, how they want to be involved in archaeology. So, I, you know, I mean, there are archaeology, community archaeology projects in the UK offering various levels of community engagement, whether that is going along to hear an evening lecture by a professional who stands behind a podium presents a series of slides, or whether it's actually 
going along to your local park at the weekend and helping to dig test pit or going along to the archives and, and unpacking boxes, repacking them and learning about the objects within. So I think that you know, we're not talking about something that exists as a thing because of the package. I completely agree with you. I think, uh, you know, the whole idea of community archaeology as one single thing is really counterintuitive to what people want to actually achieve. But um, I'm just thinking about maybe what does the future of archaeology in general, money now being kind of tighter than it was and other influences coming in. So with funding tightening, and people thinking, well, where can we make cuts? Is the fact that the past and culture history occasionally looked on as like a shuri thing? Oh, well, it's already happened. We don't need to look at it that importantly. Archaeology is seen as a quaint pastime rather than a proper area of research. I mean, do you think by having more community archaeology, we can actually explain to people what's important about archaeology? I, I think there are, there, there are separate strands in what you said that need to be picked up. So I think that there's no doubt that there is a capacity issue in archaeology at the moment in terms of its ability to provide information to the public, be that public uh, planners, be that public interested members of the public, be that local history and archaeology society. So I think there's a capacity issue, and that capacity issue is a lot of it is coming out of cuts to local HER services, um, museums, uh, cutting down their opening hours or closing, um, you know, the the ability of um, commercial archaeology units to be able to to inform that their their local sort of population, their local communities about the work that they're doing, and you know, a lot of archaeology, ninety seven percent of archaeology in the UK is performed by commercial archaeology units. So bear that in mind that you know the majority of archaeology in the UK doesn't have to by law involve the community however um, in terms of academics in terms of uh, heritage lottery funding in terms of large grant funding from organizations like the Esme Fairbairn or Joseph Roundtree or others the uh, philanthropic organizations then onus on and part of the um, research excellence framework for academics is that, that you demonstrate impact and part of that impact is public outreach. So whilst you have, you know, the, the, the changes in the, the local HERs is impacting on the ability of sort of any local authority-led community archaeology to take place, you know, the, the, it could potentially be picked up and it is being picked up by people that want to work, you know, working in their universal higher education institutions who want to do community archaeology. So it swings and roundabouts. The problem is that a box-ticking exercise in public engagement is different from a genuine desire to use archaeology, to use the ability of communities to become involved in their local heritage, to become uh, engaged in the process of doing archaeology, the practice of archaeology, and what that brings to those communities, what that offers people in terms of well-being, in terms of health benefits, in terms of senses of place, senses of space, ownership, belonging, things like that, it, it, it's underestimated. So whether you're looking at, we'll do public engagement because public engagement is on our forms and we can tick that off, or whether there is a genuine commitment to using archaeology as a public benefit. And, and you know, the, these are all strands of the big argument about community archaeology and, and 
why we're doing it and for what benefit. So when I say there are good and there are bad ways of doing community archaeology, you know, any community archaeology is good. It's great that we're communicating what we do as, as you know, as, as experts, as authorities on on this subject to everybody else, because ultimately, you know, the majority of our work, whatever way you look at it, it's funded by the taxpayer and the heritage that we deal with belongs to us all. You know, everybody that lives in this country has a buy-in on, on, you know, everything from Stonehenge on the radio this morning to a commercial archaeology excavation that may have opened up sort of 12, 30-metre trenches and found a pit. You know, so all of these things matter. It's just the vehicles and the methods in which we transfer that knowledge. You've got quite a online presence and you've done quite a lot um you actually even did a phd in public archaeology and um online uh, to do with uh, linking onto internet things um could you explain a little bit more about how the internet has kind of changed or kind of how has that helped people develop community and public archaeology more and tell us a little bit about your phd research well controversial okay so my my PhD research looked at the impact of, of these new methods of communication and, and the impact of the internet over the last 20 years has irrevocably changed the landscape of how we communicate as human beings. From the release of the Apple Watch yesterday to you know, the fact that very few people have landlines they use on a regular basis to the, the commonality of sharing photographs or uh, tweeting or using Facebook. So, you know, th these are our communication methods nowadays. This is how we talk and discuss and share and become communities online. So I wanted to look at the impact of those subjects, the, the subject of archaeology on, you know, how are we discussing this? How, how do we talk about archaeology? How do we as experts use these vehicles of communication to talk about archaeology with non-archaeologists? So that was my starting point for my PhD. And my PhD had a wide reading. I looked at UK organisation beyond and you know, what discussions were happening on Twitter, what discussions were happening on blogs, what kind of forums people were using, the, the other side of the coin being, you know, the non-authority-led archaeology that exists online, so the pseudo-archaeology, what's looking at the sort of, you know, earth mysteries end of things, how these discussions form and how easy or not it is to participate in discussions and sharing of ideas and sharing of knowledge online um, and I, you know I as I say a bit controversial and the reason I say that because my, what I found in, in my in my thesis um, results was the fact that the participatory off of the internet so you know 10 years ago we all thought that the coming of social media and participation and photo sharing and talking to people on Twitter and hashtags, blah, blah, blah. It would mean everybody could talk about everything that, you know, you can post your opinions on Amazon about books you don't think are crap. You can, you know, you can rate your local restaurant or you can have an opinion about just about everything. But actually, in terms of what archaeology in the UK is offering in terms of public in, in involvement in, in archaeology, it's very small. It's very well controlled. There's no utopia of of inclusion, there's no sort of multivocality, there's no, you know, we're, we're setting up projects for people to tell us nothing more than what we want to hear, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. At the moment, and I say that at the moment because I don't believe, you know, 
bureaucracy in early days, and although archaeology as a subject has been very um, pioneering in its approach to digital media, in many ways with its, you know, because of the, the various capacity, structural, budgetary issues, you know, playing catch up on actually um, what impact these have on day-to-day -day work. And, and as well, I think, you know, understanding, being able to understand that these media form you know that this is a communication medium that isn't going to change or go away this is only a, you know an ongoing development and it will become embedded in society so far and fast than it has done that in 10 years time my research will be completely out of date and old-fashioned that this is just how you communicate so this is how we communicate now so it's not a novel and and thinking that there is no value to these conversations, there is no value to creating opportunities for the public to participate on these platforms, or for the public to upload photographs of their sites and sort of talk about their memories of, of archaeological monuments and sites and visits and so on and so forth. So I think there's a long way to go. Um, although I think that you know various organisations across the UK have done very, very well by the flag for adopt a monument, for example, um, Archaeology Scotland. Um, there are various organisations of the UK who have made some superb, inclusive, innovative uses of these media for public And there are also some terrible examples of what not to do with new technology. Um, obviously, there's always good and bad ideas, but one good idea is the Day of Archaeology project, mm -hmm. which is uh, run every year and uh, it's a big blogging collaboration isn't it it is yeah uh, so tell me a little bit about how that got started what 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 made you think okay we need to have a day of archaeology i mean how did that get around um it was a conversation that matt law at matt law and i were having on twitter um about the day of digital humanities um i'm based or i was based for my phd in the center for digital humanities at ucl and um, the digital humanities community is relatively small, but well-formed um, and well-informed. And they started a project uh, in 2010 called the Day of Digital Humanities, really to promote what digital humanities was and who does it and where they do it and what they're doing. And it's built on this sort of wiki platform. And uh, Matt and I were both looking at this, talking on Twitter. Um, and we said, why don't we do this? We could do this for archaeology. It seems like a superb idea. We extended it somewhat in that the day of digital humanities was really very, uh, you know, academically focused, and we wanted to involve anybody that did archaeology, whether they are professionals working in museums or volunteers, and to try and get a picture, a sort of snapshot of where archaeology is each year, what what archaeologists are doing, what projects they're working on, and generally just to try and provide a snapshot of the wide variety of, of archaeology that happens every day from you know really boring people say it's boring it's not boring stuff like filling in forms and, and doing extra spreadsheets or you know really exciting canoeing up rivers and i mean you know god knows we've had so many exciting projects from all across the globe it's, it's incredible do you have a special like is there is there an area um in archaeology that really means something to you that isn't community archaeology specifically i know we've talked about our community archaeology doesn't mean anything but um i mean what's what what kind of interests you in archaeology well my first degree is in medieval archaeology um so i always have a talk about the 
early medieval stuff, Anglo-Saxon archaeology, I suppose, but I don't tell people that very often in case they take me seriously. <laughs> yeah, don't worry. I, I, I like I, I, I sometimes say I really like theory, and people give me these. Funny I like looks. theory too, and that's again something you don't want to say too often unless you're very drunk. And one of the main things that archaeologists do is get drunk and go to conferences. Um, how do you... They go to conferences and then get drunk. Oh, yes, yeah, sorry, sorry, the wrong, wrong way around. They go to conferences and then get drunk. What are the great conferences in the UK to go to? I mean, Well, I only know the ones I go to, so I can't possibly comment, but I do enjoy tag. Good commuter applications in archaeology, but then I'm very niche, you know, so I don't know. I'm sure there are lots and lots of period-specific um, stuff that goes on. I wouldn't know. I've only ever been to the ones that have digital components. <laughs> what do you use uh, for outreach? What sort of uh, online platforms do you personally kind of engage with uh, that people can follow? WordPress would be my go-to platform for, for websites and blogs. Absolutely, most projects. In fact, all of the projects that I'm involved in or have been involved in have used WordPress really as a sort of central hub to fly everything else off. And then social media platforms running from everything from Pinterest, Instagram, Twitter, obviously. Facebook, I think you have to be quite experimental. I'm very keen to find um, organisations that are using Snapchat. That's my latest. Well, thank you very much for uh, coming to chat. Uh, today on the Anarchaeologist podcast. Um, what is, uh, if anybody wants to follow any of your work, what's the best way to go about doing that? Uh, you can find out all about my work on my website, which is digipubarc.org, or you can find me on Lorna, at Lorna Richardson on Twitter. I'm always there. <laughs> Brilliant. Thank you very much. Thank you.